It's 2050, what's powering your town? The wind's not breezy, the sun is down. You're miles away from any dam or thermal spring. There's no coal or natural gas or oil or shales or anything. What's powering your home and your bilingual robot cat? Let's chat. Welcome to Battery Chattery, episode six. Sure. Yeah. That's what it says at the top of my notes, so I'm going to trust it. <laughs> I'm Hope Wilson. I'm Anna Rigney. And today we're going to talk about the ways that your choice of electrolyte restricts things like your electrode materials and the voltage of your battery. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about water as an electrolyte in batteries. And by water, I mean water with salts dissolved in it because, of course, you need ions. Um, I was going to say, water doesn't seem like it would be a great... <laughs> Electrolyte. No, not by itself. What about um, seawater? Would that be a good electrolyte? Yeah. Cool. I I don't know about like good, but like it would be sufficient. Yeah. I have a question. Okay. The word aqueous is that like a word that is used a lot by people? No, I think that's like a chemistry specific word, right? Okay. Because I have heard that word before, but I think pretty much only in chemistry. Okay. Like an aqueous solution. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a chemistry word. I mean, I, I don't know. I might be hanging out with the wrong kind of people. <laughs> like, maybe the cool kids say aqueous just, like, colloquially, like an everyday. Yeah. <laughs> I go. But we know what it means, right? It means water. Yeah. Water. It means water. Okay. I was just wondering, because I feel like the only context I've heard it in outside of, like, chemistry and batteries is, like, in a series of unfortunate events, they have aqueous martinis, which are literally just water with an olive. That sounds terrible. Yes. Uh, but so do regular martinis, so that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So if you talk about an aqueous battery, all that means is that the electrolyte is water-based. Okay. Cool. Oh, so a lot of what we're going to talk about today with watery batteries is kind of the conventional wisdom. And at the end of the episode, we can talk about some ways in which people have engineered ways around the conventional wisdom. So water, as an electrolyte, and the restrictions that it causes as an electrolyte. What happens, since we know that lithium metal, in theory, could be a good anode material for a battery, Mm -hmm. what happens if you put lithium metal in water? I literally have no idea. Okay. I just assume bits of lithium metal float around. Well, are you, like, (laughs) chopping it up first? Like, mincing the lithium metal? Just, like, a chunk of lithium metal. I just assume it stays by itself. But I don't know. What happens if you drop sodium into water? It dissolves into water. Yeah. It, like, fizzes, right? It's a little explosive. Is it? Yeah. I guess you're right. Actually, I think it's quite explosive. I think lithium is a lot less explosive. But, yeah, it reacts with water to form hydrogen gas and lithium hydroxide. So if you're not sure whether the reaction between lithium and water, or sodium and water, or any alkali metal and water is directly relevant to your life, I want you to listen to this quick story from my sister Dana. So it was New Year's two years ago, and I was at this party with a delightful chemist who I've spent a lot of time flirting with, and um, the party wasn't super fun. I mean, it was like fine, but we weren't super into it, and his lab which was on the street, and he was working on his PhD at the time. So we wandered up to his lab. For the record, 
we were sober for this. Would not recommend playing with fire while super drunk. Anyway, we wandered up to his lab. There was a lot of flirting. It was a good time. And then there were lots of flames. We started with some metal salts. Um, it turns out that if you dissolve them in um, ethanol and then spray them at a Bunsen burner, you get beautiful, beautiful jewel-colored flames. Uh, so that was really cool. If you're curious about this, there is a YouTube video linked in the episode description. Flame tests of metal salts. And then we were like, wow, we dropped some alkali metals in water. And so I think we started, I think we started at the top of the periodic table. I think we started with lithium. And uh, when you drop a small piece of lithium in water, it catches on fire. And sometimes like sputters, and I think one of them, I think it must have been either sodium or potassium that like really was very exciting. <laughs> we, were, we, we did it in the, um, in the fume hood, you know, for safety reasons. And uh, it's very exciting. I was very impressed. There was lots of kissing. It was a great time. Would recommend. <laughs> Thanks, Dana. <laughs> story. <laughs> no problem, Lou. <sighs> what a fairy tale, right? So remember, lithium reacts with water, and you might be able to impress a ringless honey with that information someday. Also, a demonstration doesn't hurt. <laughs> I'm just realizing, can a, a metal be a salt? A metal by itself? No. Okay. But, like, metal ions can be included in salts. Okay. So lithium by itself isn't a salt. Right. Can all salts dissolve in water? No. Okay. Can metals ever dissolve in water? Like, not in a salt format. Actually, how does that work? If it's just, like, one kind of ion? I'm asking... Ridiculous questions. I can shut up. But I'm just thinking, like, how would it be possible for lithium to dissolve in water if it's in a metal it's, format? Like, if it's just a sheet of metal. Well, so what it does is it gives its electrons away to hydrogen gas. Okay. Or, sorry, to hydrogen ions. And then the hydrogen ions become hydrogen gas. And then you just have lithium plus floating around. So then it's, a, it's an ion instead of just a neutral lithium. So the clump of metal does dissolve in the water. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. <laughs> um, so you can't use lithium metal as an anode in an aqueous electrolyte. Does that make sense? No, sorry. Because <laughs> it'll 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 just react with the water and. Oh, I see. Yeah. You don't want it to react with the electrolyte. Right. Okay. Yeah. Wait, except that in a potato battery, doesn't it kind of? Oh. Yeah. So the thing about that is, then you can't charge the battery again. Okay. We've just been talking so much about potato batteries. Yeah. So the deal is any electron that doesn't actually make it through the circuit over to the cathode isn't involved in, like, powering anything. So if a lithium atom just straight up reacts with water right there at the anode and, like, it gives away its electron to hydrogen, then that electron didn't get used to power anything. Okay. Now, some electrons could still make their way over to the cathode, but it wouldn't be a very efficient battery. Right. Okay. Was there something I was answering? You told me <laughs> that lithium is not a good electrode for an aqueous battery because it would react. And I just, I didn't understand. You just assumed that I would understand because you basically explained the reason <laughs> moments before. But that didn't happen. 
I have a question for you. Yeah. Isn't hydrogen a pretty greedy little ion? <laughs> what does that mean? Like it, it's really good at getting other uh, electrons from other ions? Um, so according to our table of reduction potentials, it's right there at zero. So it's, it's happy to receive electrons from lithium or sodium or any metal whose reduction potential is less than zero. But it wouldn't take electrons from gold, for example, because gold's reduction potential is too high. So basically, when you use an aqueous battery, you have cut in half than like all the top possible options. Yeah. Cool. Pretty much. I was just trying to remember back to like chemistry that I took a long time ago, where I thought that like the shells closer to the nucleus had stronger pools than like shells further away. Stronger pools. Is that true? No, it's not true. Shh. Shana, no, don't answer that question. <laughs> no, 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 I want to answer it. <laughs> okay, so an electron that's close to the nucleus, yeah. So, like, you're gonna have a harder time pulling that electron away from the nucleus than an electron that's further away from the nucleus because electrons that are far from a nucleus are far away because they're shielded from it. Like, there are other electrons between it and yeah. the nucleus. So with hydrogen, it only ever, like... Because the outer... the its outer shell is the first shell, and then it can only take two, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess in my head, I was just thinking that like it would be really good at retaining electrons, but I wasn't thinking about the reduction potential. So basically what we just said is that since neutral hydrogen has only one electron, that one electron is quite close to its positively charged nucleus, so it kind of seems like that electron would be very happy there, and that hydrogen would rather have that electron than let anybody else have it. So I think the thing to keep in mind here is that yes, the outermost and only electron of hydrogen is still very close to the nucleus, but the nucleus only has a charge of plus one. Other atoms simply have more positively charged nuclei, and so depending on a lot of factors, that can help them to hold on to their outermost electrons more tightly than hydrogen can. And the reason we care here at Battery Chattery is that the materials that don't hold on to their outermost electrons as tightly as hydrogen, such as lithium and sodium, aren't suitable for use as electrode materials in aqueous batteries. Anna is about to sum this up for us. So, you have options. Uh-huh. If you have an aqueous solution, just you have half as many options Yeah. as you might otherwise. Cool. I'm on board now. <laughs> you can just edit all of it out. No, we... They need to know, Anna. Do they? Yeah. Do they need to know how dumb I am? <laughs> Anna. <laughs> they have all the same questions as you. No. Yeah. No. They know so many more things. Everyone in my lab who I've mentioned this podcast to has been like, oh yeah, I listened through the theme song and then I stopped. So everyone who knows more than you already stopped listening. Why would you say that? (laughs) Why would you even bother to say that? (laughs) No one said that exact thing. (laughs) They were like, oh yeah, I meant to listen to it. Um, The theme song was good. (laughs) I would have just been, I would have just lied and been like, I haven't had a chance yet, but I'm sure it's great. Because that is the polite social thing to do. Instead of, I listened to the theme song and decided at that point that I no longer wanted to invest my time in it. That's not how they put it. No, but that's the subtext. No. I'm sorry. I'm just teasing. No, nobody thought that. Everyone thought the theme song was good. It's an amazing theme song. 
I agree to do this podcast based on the theme song alone. Actually, That's, I think I agreed to do it before we even had the theme pretty song. Pretty sure I showed you the theme song directly before we recorded yeah. the first episode. I was already in your house. And, and then I couldn't say no. Uh-huh. No, I actually really like the theme song. Thanks. What were we talking about? We are talking about... Lithium as an anode in, in aqueous batteries. Yes. Okay. So that's a that's a no dice. Okay. Yeah. I just I want to be sure that we're like totally clear on like why why it's bad if the electrode reacts with the electrolyte. So you said it's not rechargeable because basically hydrogen takes the electron and just uh, GTFOs. Yeah. So then you, it's still possible to have some electrons going through the circuit, but a lot of them have been eaten up by the hydrogen. Yeah. So then it's not, it's like not doing its job as a battery. And if it is doing its job as a battery, it's doing a shit job. Yeah. So that is why we're not using lithium and an aqueous battery together. Okay. Amazing. Thank you. All right. So, um, wouldn't it be amazing if all this was one big cognitive test just to see how capable I am of retaining information? I was hired by an outside <laughs> agency to create a podcast. You're like, we're worried about Anna's cognitive capacity. Somehow I tricked you into asking me if I needed a co-host. <laughs> You're very stealthy like that. I love that. This is making me sound so cool. Yeah. You've got a lot of guile. Oh, man. They're going to make a movie about me and it's going to be amazing. I will watch that. I would watch the heck out of that. <laughs> I love that stuff that, like, like like really you know sleazy sneaky salesman stuff like the music yeah. man that stuff i love that i can watch that all day what the music man sneaky sleazy isn't that like a musical about like a town that's like really happy and everybody's singing all the time <laughs> have you seen it when i was like five oh it's about a salesman who comes to town and dupes everybody what? yes that's it nice. ends happy okay that's what i thought Everybody's, like, joyful. Doesn't he, like, fall in love with one of the townspeople? Yeah. He shacks up with her. He sings an entire... He he comes into town. He's like, okay, I need, I need an angle with which to sell this town trombones. And what's my angle? And someone who lives in town is like, well, we just got a new pool table down at the county hall. And he's like, that's it. And he sings an entire song about how pool is going to turn your children into lazy bums. And you need to get them into tromboning? Yes. Okay. It's incredible. I like that that's your go-to sleazeball. Yeah, absolutely. That is like the wholesomest sleazeball that you could have thought of. Yes! (laughs) Yes! <laughs> I like it. Cathodes. Cathodes, sorry. Could you... Let me think about this. So the lithium reduction potential is less than zero. Mm-hmm. You want your anode to have a higher reduction potential than your cathode? No, other way around. I was messed that up. If this helps you at all, remember that cat kind of means positive. Cation, positive ion. Cats generally, a positive addition to this world. Cathode, positive electrode. Compared to the anode, the cathode's voltage is positive and its reduction potential is also positive. You want your cathode to have a higher... So both of them need to be greater than zero for an aqueous battery. Yeah, essentially. But you still want... What's like the highest reduction potential that you can have? Like period? Yeah. 
Gold's is one of the highest. In Isn't that. it like four? That's like 1.8 volts. Oh. Correction. Gold's is high, but it's not the highest. The actual highest reduction potentials I have come across involve fluorine gas, F2, being reduced to 2F-. And so depending on what else is happening in that reaction, the reduction potential can exceed 3 volts. So then using an aqueous battery, if like the one of the highest reduction potentials is 1.89, then like the maximum difference you could have between your anode and your cathode is like what 1.8 something it's actually worse than that like 1.5 1 what are we talking so let's think about a battery with a gold cathode okay where gold is your working metal ion um this is this is not a thing you're gonna see in real life probably but we're using it for the sake of example unless you're Midas yeah oh man what if gold was like the only thing you had and you just had to make all your batteries out of gold and you were just like ah. Well there would be no difference in reduction potential, so that would be impossible, right? <gasps> you have learned so much. <laughs> I've learned that you need to have a difference in reduction potential. Yes. <laughs> that's right. crucial. But I don't know which way around it is. Oh man. Oh, we're we're like ready to discuss the recent like controversial battery proposed by John B. Goodenough and co, but we're not going to do it this episode. Well. But you're ready. That's a tease. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I can be patient. So say you have this gold cathode. Okay. Um, your battery is discharged and you would like to charge it, which involves moving the gold from the cathode to the anode. Mm-hmm. So to charge it, you apply a voltage. So you're using water as your electrolyte and you've got gold as your cathode and you're trying to get gold to travel over to the anode. What's about to go wrong? Can you say that all again? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Gold cathode. Gold, as your working metal ion, you want gold plus to go over to the anode. Mm-hmm. You apply a voltage to try and make it so. Wait. You want gold to go over to the anode when it's getting discharged or charged? You don't want to go to Aragog. So when you're charging, it would go towards the anode. You're right. Do you have any ideas of what is about to go wrong? When you're trying to charge the battery? Yeah. I have no ideas. Okay, that's great. Because I, I do. Okay. <laughs> that's why this team works so well. <laughs> so, so you're trying to oxidize gold. You're trying to take electrons away from it to make it into ions. Mm-hmm. Your electrolyte is more easily oxidizable than your electrode is what's about to go wrong. So what that means is water is happier to give up electrons than gold is. Water will split into hydrogen ions and electrons and oxygen gas this time, not hydrogen gas. And uh, the reduction potential on this is 1.23 volts, whereas the reduction potential on gold is 1.83 volts, which since gold has a higher reduction potential, that means it has a lower oxidation potential, which means water is more likely to be oxidized. Is that clear? Yeah. Okay. So so when you apply a voltage trying to get gold to convert into gold ions, what you actually end up doing is generating oxygen gas. Okay. So that was a fruitless effort. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> so we already determined we can't have an anode that's at under zero volts approximately. And now we know we can't have a cathode whose reduction potential is above about 1.23 volts. Okay. So now our range is going to be like 1.2 yep. max. Yeah. 
Approximately. Or the difference between yeah. the reduction potential of the anode and the cathode. So what should we try and use? For water. <laughs> That's... I actually didn't think about that beforehand, so I don't have an answer. Okay. No worries. I thought that's where we were going, but if it's not, that's fine. It's totally not. Oh, man. I'm embarrassed now. No. Um, what do you use for an electrode in, in aqueous batteries? Maybe you just don't use aqueous batteries. Sounds like it's a bad, bad idea. No, people make aqueous batteries. Okay. Okay. What would you say, Anna, if I told you that most organic solvents that we do use as liquid electrolytes in lithium-ion batteries also react with lithium. That seems crazy. Like the battery would be inefficient. Uh But it's true, though. Okay. So what happens is a layer forms between the lithium and the electrolyte, which is composed of these reaction products of, like, the lithium reacting with electrolyte. Does that prevent it from reacting with electrolyte as much? Yeah, so it's like a protective layer. So you have a little bit of reaction, but then you have this protective layer, and now now you're fine. Um, So it's not that crazy pants. No. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it is that the SEI, the solid electrolyte interface, the layer we're talking about, it is, you know, it's something that people have put a lot of thought and research into, because, like, it is kind of a waste of active materials, right? Like any lithium that goes into the SEI, now you can't use it for charging or discharging your battery. It's a little bit of a loss of capacity. But that's okay, you can like plan for that. The bigger problem is that once you form your SEI, it's not just gonna like stay in place totally stably, totally happily, because as you lithiate and delithiate your electrode, it expands and contracts. And so you're constantly, like, with your charge-discharge cycles. You're always, like, making your electrode bigger or smaller, and it will it can, like, bust through the SEI layer, and then, you know, it'll react with the electrolyte all over again, and then you form more SEI, and ultimately you can, like, use up a bunch of electrolyte and lithium that way in, you know, it's just forming this layer over and over again. So it is crazy pants again. Yeah. Okay. Although, so some some things expand more or less than other things. Uh So I think graphite's not too bad. Graphite is something that will, if you store lithium in it, it it will form an SEI layer, uh, even though it's not lithium metal. But graphite, I think, doesn't expand too much. I think you can fit, like, one lithium per six carbon atoms. Um, So you can imagine that's not, like, a huge expansion. Um, silicon is, in theory, a really good material as a lithium battery anode because you can have silicon combined with so much lithium, but that comes along with a 400% volume expansion. So, yeah. <laughs> so silicon's the kind of thing where, like, you're really, you're looking at the SEI layer that's forming and you're saying, that's probably not okay. Like, you're just going to keep, like, you know, using up your active materials and you're not going to have a battery anymore. Okay. So you have to be careful about what materials you choose to form that layer. Yeah. To form the SEI layer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess people have put research into, like, what um, what additives can we use in the electrolyte to sort of make the SEI layer different than it is. I don't know a whole lot about that. Okay. I think that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. 
I just want to throw it out there. We've been talking about liquid electrolytes this whole time. Um, solid electrolytes certainly have their own issues, but they do tend to be more stable, like in terms of voltage than liquid electrolytes. Like they're not as easy, generally speaking, to either oxidize or reduce. So they should have a higher voltage window to operate in than liquid electrolytes. Okay. So that's why we're not talking about these problems with regards to solid electrolytes. All right. Cool. Cool. I just, I had one more topic, which I alluded to at the beginning, which is that all that I, that I just said about water as an electrolyte is the conventional wisdom. And some folks have been like, oh, we can, we can wiggle around that. So some folks developed a coating that you can use on your anode that will, so I think this is with a, a lithium metal anode you put this coating on it and then you like charge and discharge your battery and it will form an SEI layer in water, which isn't usual because usually water and lithium won't form an SEI layer. They'll just like lithium will just react with water and then be dissolved. So that's something that some folks did in order to increase the voltage that you could get from an aqueous battery. What sort of, hmm? what sort of coating would you put? It's, all I remember is the word, I, I think I remember the word hydrophobic. So like before it does, it's reacting and turns into the SEI layer. It's like just, it's just keeping the lithium separate from the water. Okay. But then when you charge slash discharge it, it changes into something different. So like how oil is hydrophobic. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Just, just there to keep the water away. One other thing that actually some of the same folks were involved with this as with the water SEI layer. There's this thing called water in salt electrolytes where you just load the water with so many ions that the water doesn't even want to react with lithium anymore. There just like isn't enough of it. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. this is called water in salts almost like it's not salts and water, it's salts right. and water and salts. Okay. Like coffee and sugar. Yeah. If you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> Sounds good. No, it doesn't. Um, but yeah, so the reason for this, I think especially with the, the latter thing, the water and salt, there you're kind of giving up the advantage that water has in terms of cost, because now it's, you know, you're not looking at the cost of water, you're looking at the cost of all the salts you're putting in it. Um, but the big deal with this is safety. Water is safer than, like, it's less flammable than most organic liquid electrolytes. I was actually just going to ask why somebody would choose to put a lot of effort into figuring out how to make an aqueous battery yeah. better if it sounds like it's kind of shit in the first place, <laughs> but it sounds like it's safer and more mm -hmm. cost-effective than yeah. other materials. Okay. So not necessarily more cost-effective, right? Like if, if you go out of your way to do some weird engineering thing, that could potentially cost more, but all else being equal, water is cheaper than other materials. a lot of things. Yeah. So, like, that coating solution might be good because mm -hmm. it maintains the safety. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much it costs to... I don't know either. But presumably less expensive than buying all those salts and safer. Yeah. Cool. Sounds like it to me. <laughs> One more thing I'll throw out, which I, I may have mentioned this before. Just let me know if I did. Um, safety, safety ends up being cost effective because, like, if you don't have to make like a cooling system for your battery so they don't get too hot and explode, that's cheaper in the long run than having to have a cooling system or having to have a lot of like insulation to keep your batteries from like heating each other up. I forgot the other important aspect of all this, which is that safety also means 
your batteries can take up less space. So all that stuff I was talking about with the insulation and the cooling systems, that takes up space. And if you're talking about, say, a car, you really want your energy storage set up to take as little space as possible. That makes sense. I don't think we've talked about that before, but that makes sense. Does that mean that engineering batteries ends up having to be like sort of an elegant thing? Elegant. Like you can't have too many components to the solution. You have to sort of keep it more simple. Because like that coding thing sounds mm-hmm. like a really, I mean, like I'm sure it's complicated for people actually doing the work, but mm-hmm. like kind of sounds like a simple solution <laughs> as opposed to like including like a cooling system, which sounds sort of complicated. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I really, I don't know how much work it is to put the coding on. So I'm here with my brother, Alex, to give you a couple corrections on that episode before we wrap it up. Um, all right, the water and salt electrolyte I was talking about, where you have this huge, huge concentration of salt, actually hasn't been successfully used with very low-voltage anode materials such as lithium or graphite. So it does work nicely with high-voltage cathodes, but when you've got a reduction potential less than about negative 2.5 volts for your anode, Uh, That does not work. So with this technology, the excitement was that you now had aqueous batteries with an electrochemical stability window of greater than 3 volts. So you can't use the full range of anode materials, but because you now have a greater range of cathode materials you can use, it's way better than the 1.23 volt limit we were talking about before. Any questions about that? No. Oh, also introduce yourself. My name is Alex Wilson. He's my brother. Um, my second correction is that the coating I was talking about was actually made to be used alongside the water and salt electrolyte. So I think I made it sound like it was supposed to be used with just a basic aqueous electrolyte. It's meant to be used with the, the special super high salt concentration electrolyte. I haven't even read about anyone trying the coating with a low salt concentration, which might mean that it's been done, but the results were so bad that they didn't publish them. So in this case, Using the coating, you're still incurring whatever expense you'd be incurring with the super concentrated salt electrolyte because the salts are more expensive than the water. Uh, but the benefit of the coating is it does allow you to use the more extreme anode materials. So now you've increased your aqueous battery voltage possibility from 3 volts to 4 volts. But your cyclability is poor, so the more you charge and discharge it, um, Batteries, all batteries degrade over time, but this one's particularly bad. The paper that I read on this reported batteries that would run from 50 to 70 cycles, which is not good enough for pretty much anything. So this is still progress because you've got a four volt aqueous battery and that's way better than 1.23 volts, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, do you have any questions about that? Yeah, is this a podcast on aqueous batteries? This is an episode mm-hmm. on electrolyte restrictions and we focused on aqueous batteries because okay. that's where uh, the biggest restrictions are, basically. I was, I was just, as a total noob, I was just wondering what's, what are the alternatives to aqueous batteries? What's normally used? Yeah, for sure. So organic liquid electrolytes um, are usually used, and those are pretty flammable. So the oh, big deal here is safety. Oh, oh yeah. Um, Actually, what's I'm glad you asked, because I didn't mention this in the episode either, even with normal, like, aqueous batteries, even if you have, even if you're using lithium with an aqueous battery and you're just, you're putting, like, a ceramic coating between them, um, 
like between the lithium and the water so that they can't react. It's still the case that if you like short circuit the battery, so the most extreme example being if you drive a nail through the battery, the lithium in the water will react and it'll be explosive. In this case, with this lithium and this coating and this water and salt electrolyte, even if you, they actually, there's a video, I'll link it. They drove a nail through this battery. Not only did it not explode or anything, but it actually kept its initial voltage. <laughs> I, it, it faded like overnight, but I guess just, it's so protected by this coating and everything. But wow. um, yeah, so even if the lithium comes into contact with the water and salt electrolyte, like you don't want that for a battery, like it won't make the battery work well, but it also isn't explosive. I think just cause there's yeah. just not that much water there. So that's, this is just a real safe battery. <laughs> okay, so that's the big interest. Yeah. Also, maybe not the case here, but generally water is cheaper than most other things. <laughs> I see. Not if you pump it full of salt, but you know, you do what you can. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Cool. You had a relevant aside about lead pipes. Oh yeah. I was sort of trying to understand this layer between the, the water and salt electrolyte and the lithium as the mineral crust that ought to have been on the city of Flint's lead pipes so that the lead and the water couldn't interact. Yeah, so. I didn't know that was a thing, but I guess that makes sense. Mineral crust? You call it a passivation layer? I think that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what things get called. Yeah, the lead, <laughs> when they, they, want, they want the lead to be as passive as possible. Yeah. <laughs> What's one example of uh, the organic liquid? DMF. What's that? Dimethylformamide. Oh, okay. That's what I had for the day. Do you have questions? No, I think you answered all of my questions and then some. Um, I'm trying to figure out like what the take home. Aqueous batteries are shit, but maybe not. Like (laughs) there are good reasons to pursue uh, industrializing aqueous batteries. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, actually, that's a really good thing to bring up. Um, I, I think the thing I most hear about aqueous batteries for is for, for grid storage. You really want, you want to have, like, big, cheap things. And I assume you also don't want things exploding, but um, mostly you just want big, cheap storage. So people look into aqueous batteries because it's like, you know, we're trying to make every single component of this as cheap as possible, and water is what we're going to use for the electrolyte. Alright, so. Water. Not so bad after all. (laughs) Drink lots of it, everyone. I mean, yes. It is important for lots of reasons. (laughs) I meant battery-specific reasons. (laughs) Just to be clear, I'm not endorsing that people don't drink water. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> What's powering your home and your electric feline friend? The 